Welcome to Headstone Academy Equipping Training Podcast. We provide cutting-edge foundational teaching and revelation tailored to this notable hour of history. The title of today's message is Glory Carriers with Mary Audrey Raycroft. And you know what? It's really a prayer. And even before I'm going to break it down for you, I want us to read it out loud together. You know, we've come into the season of pay. If you're not following the seasons, this is the season of speaking. We've had 10 years of seeing and hearing, and now we're into the season within the church calendar of speaking what you've seen and heard. And it's time we got our mouths open and we've been trying to get this across over the last two times we've met, and it's that ain't gonna stop, (laughs) ain't gonna stop. So let's, um, let's read it together, and every couple of verses I may throw something else in just to kind of draw it to your attention, and then I am going to break it down. So I just think it's important that we, um, we declare this. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil while we're made. That's this afternoon. Unfortunately, unveil while we're made. The veil's going to come off. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come, invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. What is that? She already mentioned it. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is, okay? We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Get this. Refuse to waste our lives, for your our joy and pride. Why? Why we seek the kingdom first? To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. We pray to revive this earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear show your mighty hand right now, here and now, in these days. 2019 and onward, okay? Heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Monday, win this nation back. Monday will be one of your steps. However, you have planned to do it. We believe whatever your plan is for us right now, right now, whatever his plan is, not what our plan is, okay? That you're winning this nation back, okay? Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. His glory's gonna do this. Unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and far. No force of hell can stop your beauty-changing hearts. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom, see in us. Read that again. And read it, make a declaration, you say, me. You say, me. You've made me so much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in me. Oh, and I just say, awaken it, Lord. And water it. And nurture it. And watch it grow. You see how much there is in here that you can put in for yourself. Let's do that again. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church. We are the hope on earth. Amen. How many of you even slightly believe that? You see, I believe that as you begin to declare this over it, the truth of this, that you're going to find that your, 
your mind becomes faith. Wasn't it faith that says, you know, from, from Romans 12, you know, that, that we, we become transformed and our minds become transformed so that we can prove for ourselves what is the, what is it, the good, the good, perfect, perfect acceptable. and acceptable. Well, the, the good, acceptable, and perfect. Oh, I've got to find out what the good will of God is. Then I've got to find out what the acceptable will of God is. And then I've got to find out what the perfect will of God is. <sighs> Let me tell you, his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. We just have three separate wills that get bigger and better as you grow up. It's his good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Amen. Well, that song is really the message, and I want you to so immerse yourself in the words, especially, especially the two lines, unveil why we're made, and awake the kingdom seed in us. Amen. Those two are just like, well, they really mean something for me, you know. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again, increase in us, we pray, unveil. To unveil means to take the blinders off. Amen. Means to uncover, uncloak. Disclose, reveal, bring to light. To unveil means to see something that wasn't clear before. And, and I remember when I was first looking at this, I realized it was like, I don't, I don't know if some of you have these, bless your hearts, they're wonderful for your setting, not for mine anymore, but I used to have shears. You know what shears are? <laughs> I used to have shears over my bay windows, and shears were lovely. I've got a beautiful back garden, it's probably... I probably have a 120 foot lawn, 40 for 128. I probably have 70 to 80 feet behind where the, the my windows are in the back of the house to the very to the 407, which you don't know is the 407 because there's buckets of trees there and a berm and it's nice and woodsy looking and the coyotes are there and the foxes are there and the deer come down and everything. But I couldn't see it because I had these lovely shears that sort of kept the sun out. But you know what I mean? You can't see clearly through a shear. And I remember the day the shears came down. Oh, look what's out there. I never saw that before. I mean, I suppose I saw it if I was out walking in it, but all of a sudden, my perspective changed because the shears were gone. Something was unveiled, you know, from my, from my eyes. I love it. And, and so to me, to have that unveiling, to have those shears removed simply means to gain new perspective. And, and what I want to do today, and I believe what faith started, and then Michelle, I mean, it's so terrific. We have to have new perspective because we've been so churchy, churchianized. I didn't say Christianized. There isn't such a word. But we look at what we call the church or the nice box of the church in, in, in our century, and we think that is what pleases God. And he's saying, I'll add no more to that, okay? Right now, right now, okay. He is giving us new perspective. This is this from... Um, Oh my, it's from my spirit-filled life Bible. I love this, Ephesians 1. Paul prays, listen to this, that the eyes of our heart would be open. This is, and, and, and this is from my spirit-filled life Bible. An unveiling of our hearts, our understanding being enlightened, literally meaning that our hearts, or our spirit, may receive the brightness of hope resulting when the wealth of God's investment in us is understood. Amen. What a mouthful. Let me read it again. My God. Uh, an unveiling. I, listen, I had unveiled all worked out of my notes before I read that scripture. So I think he was sort of confirming something here. An unveiling of our hearts, meaning our understanding being enlightened, literally meaning that our spirits or our hearts may receive the brightness of hope resulting when the wealth of God's investment in us is understood. 
this investment in you. Well, I would better look that, that word up on earth it is. Well, that could be another whole weekend. I know that you've been purchased with a, with a preciousness, with a price. You're not your own. You've been purchased. I mean, you know, we, we talked about investments with the offering this morning, but my gosh, when you think what he invested, what he paid, and what return, you know, he's going to get because he expects to get it. Unveil why we're made. I know Michelle was saying, you know, she didn't want to sound presumptuous, but I, I agree with her. I think we've got to see that there's far more uh, to becoming a child of God than having simply, than simply, and this is, this is huge, so when I say it, I'm not minimizing it, but there's far more being a child of God than simply having fellowship with him and having eternal life. I mean, that's, oh, that's massive. But, but is there more that up to this stage in our lives um, we've been kept ignorant of? Now, I want you to know, when Paul says, when it, didn't Paul say when he's writing to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, he said, now about the things of the Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. Okay, ignorance does not mean stupidity. Ignorance simply means that nobody told me. I'll never forget, maybe some of you, I'm looking back, mm. maybe Belma, maybe, oh, is she here? Uh, years ago, I was teaching on covenant. Oh, I was doing my course on Born Free, who, who you are in Christ, and I was doing the section on covenant, which I long to do with, with you guys in the new year, I hope I can. I was teaching on covenant, and I, mean, I love it, I love it, I love it, and there was a couple there, and they were awesome, spirit-baptized Anglicans, wonderful, wonderful, they're, they're both with the Lord now. Um, and uh, I remember she said, I remember her coming and she, I mean, they were church people. I mean, they knew the word, they knew the, the prayer group, they knew the prayer book, they knew the hymns. I mean, I think he was rector's warden and she was on the altar guild. I mean, they were church people up to their eyeballs. And she said, oh, what, did we do covenant with you guys? Oh, well, you're all covenant people anyway, you CRCs. Yeah, but uh, there's one, I won't talk, there's one portion, I may look at it, one portion I remember speaking to you when we were doing covenant, and it, you kind of went, oh my God, oh my God. We'll get, we'll get to 2 Corinthians 3. Where am I here? And it, I remember her coming up to me after the class with great big blue eyes between her, her, her glasses, and she looked at me, and it, I mean, the tears were just like, <sighs> now these are, are, these aren't just casual go to church people, these are immersed people. Yeah. Why, maybe some of you remember Flo, and who remember Flo and Joe Wingfelder? Oh, yeah. 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 You, I, mean, I remember Flo coming to me, and she said, now at this point she was 60 some odd years of age. And I remember her saying, how come no one has ever told us this before? How come no one has ever told us this? And so you see, I don't want you to be ignorant. That just means nobody told me. Is there so much glorious stuff out there that no one has told us? Well, he's saying, wake up, guys. This is the season of pay. This is, we're in for the ride of our life and our understanding being open. And we're going to, listen, this is not my message. We're going to come into understanding spiritual realities in a way that will blow your mind if you're trying to get it in the natural. <laughs> we're growing up in some interesting ways. I won't even go there now. <laughs> My goodness, sometimes I think people might think we sound presumptuous when we talk of the bigness of God's plan for us, but it's really quite breathtaking when we see what the scriptures say about the king, God's kingdom and his people. And so perhaps it's time to repent, <laughs> repent 
this repent to repent is much more than saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, you found me out. Oh, I'm really sorry. You know, please forgive me." That's not repentance. Repentance is is a, a, is is to turn around, to turn around, not all the way around. Turn around to go in another direction. Okay, change your mind. And I think it's time for us. I know it is for me. For us as a church to repent of small thinking and begin to embrace our significance in the kingdom. Amen. This is not a matter of pride, you know. And and, and as, as I'd love to say, is it not time that we began to experience the reality of what we believe? Right. Yes. We believe all sorts of stuff. Some of it totally biblical and some of it totally not. <laughs> but those things that are the Lord, we, 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 know, we know what the word says, but mm-mm. You know, I want to experience the reality of that. I just don't want it to be meant. I do not want it to be mental ascent. I want it to be experiential because of the one who lives within me. Oh, for goodness sakes. And you too. Uh, you've heard me say this before, but there's a prophet, prophet from Texas, a real character, Bobby Connor. So you know Bobby's oh, name. Yes. Bobby's, Bobby's yes. always giving you the owies. Oh, he's as funny as anything, and he gets you just hysterically laughing, and then he does the zinger. <laughs> but one of the things he says, that one of the reasons for being a Christian is to make an invisible God known. Amen. Amen. And let me just change, thank you, Bobby. Let me just change it a little bit, you know, in the context of what we're talking about today. One of the, one of the reasons for being a Christian is to make an invisible God showing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Slowly getting a perspective and coming into agreement with it. See, I don't know about you, but a lot of stuff is mental upset with me. I mean, those of you that have been around, and I've been around since the 80s teaching all these goodies, and, and I, I know I'm a, a superb information giver. I don't want to be an information giver anymore. Hallelujah. I want to be one that stimulates revelation. Yeah. But I got, you know what, what I get, what, what comes to me first of all, I want to be able to impart, even as she said, I want to apostolic, because I believe that I am an apostolic teacher. Yes. I'm not an apostle, but I'm an apostolic teacher, one that sent, one that goes forth, one that goes out and stirs the pot and then gets out of town fast. <laughs> but we're slowly coming and getting the perspective and coming into agreement that we are designed to house God. This little thing. Randy Clark says, little old you, little old you. We are just the only place we've been designed to house something called his glory. I'm, I'm, and you know, I was saying it again, I said, this is a tangible substance. This is not just some ethereal hoo-hoo idea. It, 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 it is a thing. It's a substance. It's something. And, and, and as I think you mentioned it both individually, yes, number one, and then number two, corporately. And when the reality of that hits the church, and I don't mean the little building on the corner with the steeple. I mean the body of Christ, which is the church, okay, that gathers together for mutual upbuilding, I hope. you know. But when the reality hits the church, I think our whole walk, and, and, um, and influence in the culture is going to change. And for most of us, the reality of this has not yet sunk in. We're still locked in a religious mode. Yeah. Boy, it's never hard. Wait, what did they used to say? You can, you, they got the children of Israel out of Egypt. Well, it was hard to get, the, get Egypt out of the children of Israel. Yeah. And, you know, they're getting a lot of us released from the common pattern of the church. Well, boy, boys, it's never hard to get the common pattern of the church out of us. In a sense, because we, we're so, well, that's the way we've always done it. Mm, you know? And God's saying, well, you may be just a broader perspective to that, you know? So I'm just going to give you, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Just give you more, you know? 
when someone like me gets up, and I've told you this before, probably every time someone is throwing out a lot of scripture at you and you're making notes, write down the numbers first. And then the, the book. Because if you try to write the book down, you'll forget what she said about the numbers. <laughs> so like, I'm giving you 1 Corinthians 6, 17. And at least you get the, you can get those. By the time you got Corinthians down, you remember what, what 6, 17 was. Or if, you're, if you get the 6, 17 down, you have to go through the whole Bible to find every 6, 17 that'll fit. First <laughs> Corinthians 6, 17, through the miracle of the new birth. You have become united. I always put my fingers together like a, like a chain. You, unbreakable, you've become united as one spirit with him. Amen. This is reality. This isn't just nice ethereal thinking, okay? 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know? You already mentioned it. You are the temple, the house, the tabernacle of God, and the spirit of God dwells in you. Again, individually, but corporately being built together. To make something bigger. I know you, you know this, but you can't hear it. I was like joking with somebody this morning. I think he said that when uh, at, at Catch the Fire, all the kids that, that come to school, every school they have, we have Mark Verkler, number one, yeah. number one weekend, learning how to hear the voice of God. Oh, yeah, well, I, I said, Bill and I had to go through it seven times before we finally got it. <laughs> Takes a while. <laughs> all of a sudden, something sinks in. All of a sudden, something sinks in, so you're hearing it again. First Corinthians 4, 7, I'm going to be looking at these in a few minutes again. We have this treasure, the glory of God housed in earthen vessels. Amen. Oh, God, I'm just getting a, i got time. I hope I say it right. He, Paul's talking about we have this treasure uh, in fragile clay pots. Yeah. This treasure in clay pots. So it's something to be, oh, thank you. You bring that from me. It's a good girl. Oh, which, what, what are they? I have to know what kind of oxycontin thing she's giving me. So she stays with all, looks the same on TV. What are they? Oh. oh, dear, I'm scared to say. No, I'm not. Listen, do you understand that parable? Can I just, this is a rabbit trail, but sort of in context. Remember, and Carol will know because she's taking Hebrew lessons, so she'll like to correct me later. <laughs> You can check with your teacher. But in the, in the um, Jesus telling parables, he's like the kingdom of heaven, is like the man walking along and, and, uh, and he sees, it comes by a field and he sees there's a, he sees like a pot laying there in the field, a clay pot. And what does he do? He runs off and buys the whole doggone field. Now in those days, they kept their treasures, their, their gold, their, 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 their precious stones, their, their stone, diamonds, they're not diamonds, but they're, What's the other yes. word for stones? Gems. Yeah. Gems. I think there was a better word. They're, they're gems and, and coins in that. They kept them in clay pots. And then they would have a field. They would take their clay pots and they would go bury them. That was their bank. They'd bury them in the earth. And then when they would need them, they, you know, they would go and dig up a pot. This is serious. This is what part of the culture. So here's this guy walking along and he sees what looks like a clay pot in the field. And, oh my gosh, he roars off to town. He finds a, He buys the whole doggone field. Because he's figuring out where there's one clay pot, there's more. There's treasures in those clay pots. I wish you never ever read it like that. I thought, well, you know, yeah. And, and then here's Paul, you know, right? And we have this treasure, the glory of God, housed in fragile clay pots. Oh, my goodness, you're worth something. You're worth something. Uh, a vessel, container, a pot. You're just a bunch of crack pots. So you might as well just come. It says you're cracked. 
so that the glory that shines out isn't your own power glory. It comes out through your cracks. And I, I think you can make something out of that. First, Ephesians 2, 19, 22. I think you've already read this. See, I want you to look at yourself today and see yourself as this. He speaks of being built and fit together as living stones, growing together into a holy temple in the Lord, being fashioned together for a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. I know that we've heard so much over these past years, so I'm going to talk about his presence. And we've heard so much over these past couple of years about the presence of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord. What's next? What's next? You'll never get past to anything better than the presence and the glory of the Lord. But, it, but it, it needs to be repeated over and over and over again until we get it. Remember somebody said to Kenneth Hagin, uh, some of you know this, you know, in Mark 11, 24, and, and if you, you know, have faith and you speak to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doubt not it, that it'll happen. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll happen for you. And like after about 50 years of praying, I saw Mark 11, 24, we used to have a little song about it in those word of faith days, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm so thankful for my word of faith days because yes. they what got me into the word. Yes, so that was a very important part of, of, of my life. But somebody said to Hagen one day, after 50 years, for crying out loud, when are you going to move on to something else? He says, when you get it. <laughs> when you get it. Oh my goodness, we don't get it. I don't get it. I'm talking about his presence. I want to talk about his presence for a minute. Listen, I'm not just talking about a thought or an essence or an ooh-hoo feeling. I'm talking about a person. A person. Not a thing, a person. Not even an emotion. Now, if you have an emotion when you're aware of the presence, that's absolutely awesome. But lots of times you don't. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person. So I'm not going to take time right now. Exodus 33, starting at verse 11, is a very exciting for me portion of scripture. When um, see if I can paraphrase it, but I just look at the point out of it. You know that that Moses takes on a little three-man tent. And he takes it away from the crowd. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people there. They're all in their camps. And he had to get away. <laughs> he had to get away. He had to get away from the office. Some of us need to get away from the office. He got away and he took a tent. And he took it way, way out there. And he set this in. This was not the big tabernacle, okay, that you read about later on. This was a three-man tent. He would go and often took Joshua with him. He was his young assistant. Talk about um, mentoring. And, uh, and the Bible says that God would come and meet with Moses in, the, in that tent, and they would speak together face to face yes. as, as a man speaks with a friend, with his friend, you know. And Moses is having some very bold dialogue with God, and they're having discussion back and forth. And, and uh, to belabor it, because I know some of you know this story, Moses says to the Lord, um, um, t- uh, you, you say I have found favor with you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I'll teach me your ways so that I may know you more and, and continue to find favor with you. I remember some of you would laugh at me because you know me well and you've heard this before, but I thought, because I used to have small groups and that, and I thought, oh, we better find out the ways. It's orders like lists. I better, we better find out the ways of God so we can teach them so that we continue to find favor with God. So I started making lists and kept my concordances out and stuff like this. And, and you know, commentaries to make lists of the ways of God because we better know them if we want to find favor with him. Well, the list was okay, but I kind of already knew, knew that. So I remember I, t- I had about 12 or 13 gals in my group in this day. I gave them warning. I said, bring your commentaries, bring your translations, bring all your stuff. We've got to get some lists on the ways of God so we can teach them so we know that, you know, they didn't find anything better than me. This went on for about three weeks. 
teach me your ways so I can know you and continue to find favor with you and teach other people. And he said to me, well, my presence goes with you. I said, well, I thank you very much. Now, teach me your ways. <laughs> I got to know them. I got my pencil already. <laughs> my presence goes with you. Thanks. Now, teach me. <laughs> I did three times. <coughs> oh, I had the, I had the, I want you, you know that Zachariah is my favorite prophet. He's the duh prophet. <laughs> you gotta read Zachariah. He'd have all these revelations about angels and the Lord, and, and they, they'd say to him, Zachariah, you know what's happening? He'd say, no, what's happening? He's <laughs> an angel coming and he'd show a great revelation. Well, what's that all about? He didn't have a clue. I love him. I'm in that place a lot. Duh. <laughs> no. And finally, the third time, my presence would go with you. Honey, all you have to worry about, you don't have to worry about anything, all you have to know is you're aware of my presence with you Amen. continually. Yeah. You'll know my ways when you need to know them. Yeah. You don't need lists. Oh my God, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> anyway, a, 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 anyway, so he, says to, he said to Moses, that's what he said to Moses. Moses said, teach me your ways so I can still find favor with you and the people. And he said, my presence will go with you. And then Moses, he had the nerve. He said, well, it better. You need this for yourself. He said, well, so your presence, doggone well, better go with us. Because if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not taking one step out of here. Because what is going to differentiate us? What if you had that word in Hebrew? Look it up. <laughs> what is going to make us any different from any other group around? What is going to make us any different from any other church, any other organization, any other service club. What's going to make us any different from any religious group or even any group that calls themselves Christians? Unless there's an obvious manifestation of the presence of God going with us. And Moses said, I ain't taking one step away from here unless I know. And then it goes on to talking about the glory and so forth there. And I'm not going to belabor that anymore. But I thought, oh my goodness, i got to remember that. Me, I was, you see... For me, for so many years, principles were the most important thing. If I get all the rules, if I get all the teaching, if I get all the principles in place, then we'll be okay, honey. They say, it's not the principles, it's not the rules, it's my presence. It's my presence. It's my presence. On the good days, and on the hairy days. Right, Michelle? And sometimes it seems you're having hairy days more than having good days. And that's when you really value his presence. When he's just there holding you when it look, would look like, you know, situations are absolutely obnoxious. Amen. You want it? I want you to note that when Moses left the tent to go back about business, back to the office, it says that Joshua remained in the tent of the presence. And that's why I think that he was, when the, when the whole job was turned over to him, when you get to Joshua 1, um, that, that he was able to recognize the voice of God and got directions for going in and taking the territory. That's just the side. But Joshua 1.5 says, the Lord says to him, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You see, he's no respecter of persons. It's a fact. It's not a feeling. Well, I just felt God today. I haven't felt God for three months. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. His, his presence at all. G David knew his presence everywhere. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. 
Sometimes you wish you could. Sorry. You've been purchased with the preciousness yeah. in it, and you can't. A miracle's taking place. So the Old Testament, I just want to go back a little time, but the Old Testament is full of reports of God's presence and, and his glory. It's manifested in so many ways to people. The first mention is in Genesis 3.8, before the fall, mankind, man, male and female, walked with God in the garden. They knew his voice and his presence. Verse 8. And the man and the woman heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves, they tried to, as if they thought, as if they could, you know. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And I think we need to be aware that there is an enemy out there that will always try to get us out of his presence, or to make us think we're out of his presence. That's one of his warfare strategies. And God called out to them. <laughs> he didn't say this, but like, hey guys, hey you who my presence is waiting, where are you? He knew where they were. I think he wanted them to know where they were. Could he be saying that to us today? And is that why there's such a revival of being aware of his presence happening and such a longing, a longing um, in our hearts? More than form and more than ritual and more than programs. His presence in the Old Testament was manifested in so many ways through outward circumstances. And I know that 99% of you will remember most of them. I mean, just, I mean, I only got four or five even just to remind you of, like from the Red Sea parting uh, to, to, to Sinai with the thunder and the lightning and the dense cloud and the glory and the, the presence of God so, so thick there that Moses' face shone and glowed from being so near to him. A Gideon in the wine press. When you see the scriptures, the angel of the Lord, capital A, angel of the Lord, that means the, that, that means the Lord himself, okay? Met him in, in the wine press where he was, well, he wasn't making wine, he was doing grinding corn, yeah. Uh, from, the commanding, uh, from appearing as the commander of the Lord's army to Joshua, and, and um, from manifesting as a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night for the children of Israel and their treks through the desert. Oh, Ezekiel, from, you need to read Ezekiel from the um, Kabod. Somebody mentioned, did you mention Kabod today? Somebody did. Somebody did. Yeah. <laughs> Ezekiel seeing the Kabod, the presence of the glory in the temple, and literally being lifted up in his presence. They said it was Ezekiel was lifted up on the hair of his head and taken. And, 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 and released the temple, and then he finally saw the presence of God departing from the temple. And, and, and I think about Daniel walking with his friends beside the river and fell flat on his face, late in the spirit, because the presence of God manifested there right by the river. Oh, my goodness. It was The presence of God was, was with the people on so many occasions. And, and we might say, boy, you know, that was really something. That was really something to see the manifestation, that were manifestation of God. Well, let me say to you, you see, you are designed, we are designed to be the really somethings. Yeah. You're a really something. Amen. I can see you after you've been in so I see Carol and Rick and they, they've been up visiting somebody that wasn't too hot about the things in the world or hot about hot about the Lord. And just their very presence in that place. I will give you some Amen. examples later. But people are gonna say, What was going on with that? They're really something. We haven't got them figured out yet, but they're really something. They're really something. Wow. Wow. But you see, God has something so much better planned for us as sons and daughters than simply having his presence with us. He was with them, okay? He was with the prophets. He was with the kings. He was with them. The Holy Spirit presence was with them, okay? But the plan 
was to restore his glory, restore his presence within us, even as it was in the garden. I love what Michelle, she she dropped a woo-hoo rhema on me today. I don't know if you caught it or not, but I, I hope I'm I hope I've got it down here. I knew this, but to hear it articulated in such a way uh, made it something I can grab a hold of and I can build on where she said, your original, because I'm going to talk about light in a little bit, a little bit differently than the way they have. Your original light arrived on earth when you were born again. Your original, you see, I I know we were there before, but I don't think about it that much. (laughs) But when she said it like that, your original light arrived now, housed in here, what you were designed to be. I thought that was absolutely amazing. The plan is to restore his glory, his presence within us, even as it was in the garden. First place to dwell in was Adam. Lost in mankind fell. And now we're in the days of restoration, of being brought back to the original place. Thanks be to Jesus for opening that way of life for us. Our spirits, our hearts have been recreated. Amen. Okay, to be that dwelling place, to be carriers of his presence and of his glory. You do not have simply a religion. Amen. Do you have a religion? I would want to say no. I have life. Amen. Zoe, with a capital Z. Are we Canadian or American here? Z if you're in the state. I, I say Z in the state. They look at me and they say, huh? <laughs> okay. Jesus in John 14, 17, in promising the presence of the Holy Spirit to the disciples and subsequent believers, he said, you know him and recognize him because he's been with you constantly. But now he's going to be in you. There's quite a difference between being with you and, and being in you. Oh, my goodness. I love it. And my prayer is, as Paul said, that the eyes of your heart will be open this afternoon to grasp the reality. Some of you will still be, and you probably go from today, with a mental assent agreement. Yeah, I believe that. But I don't know if it's the right word, and they're not Anglican, but, but, but some of you are going to have an epiphany. That means a, a whoa. Amen. All of a sudden, I, I remember, no, Anne wasn't with me. Oh, Be- no, Balbo was not. I was teaching the Taiwanese. And it was mostly from China in my class, but singing waters a few months ago. And I was hitting something like this. And what I'm going to do in, in 2 Corinthians in a minute. And I'm talking about your, your, the presence in you, the presence in you, the presence of Christ in you, not just thinking about it, but literally in you. And I kept trying to get them to repeat it back to me. And they couldn't because they weren't getting it. And, and I, I was finding myself getting a little irritated because I realized communication with another language can be a challenge and I wasn't being sensitive enough and I kept hammering it out and hammering it out and hammering All of a sudden this little guy over here sitting over here and I found out later he was a priest. He was the least priesty looking priest I'd ever seen. You know, like I mean, he was a, but he, he, he who was a bit better in English than the others and all of a sudden it's like someone turned a switch and said, he jumped up. I got it! Oh. I got it! I got it! Like, like he got it. Like he had one of those aha moments where he literally saw what had happened in his spirit when he received the Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas the others were still, and wonderfully, and they're growing, and they're going to get it, I hope, sooner or later. It was still an agreement with what the Word, of course, an agreement with what the Word says. 
but came to the experience the reality of what he'd been saying for years. Oh gosh, I want that so so much. Oh my goodness. We now have much more than a visitation or a close encounter. Or maybe a superb memory of a fact of a past event, like you know, like the children of Israel would have had a Moses on the mountain. The word does say that we are now a habitation. We've moved from visitation to habitation. And as Michelle began to talk about this morning, and we are designed to be reflectors of his glory. Now Moses was the reflector of his glory. He came down shining like, you know, he glowed in the dark for heaven's sakes. But that was from close proximity. You and I are, are, are reflectors of his glory, not, not simply from close proximity, but from the very power of the resurrection power of life that dwells within your spirit man. That's all the, that's kind of all the difference in the world. And, 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 and I'm talking about being people that carry his light, that reflect his glory. And I'm not talking about simply being a nice Christian. Yes. Good, good Christian, doing all, the, doing all the things we're supposed to do and following all and being good and kind. I'm, I'm talking about something much more. Show me your glory. Moses was not content alone with the presence even. He said, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. So I want you to catch the implications of that, of what that glory means, of what that light means. Light and glory, you just, you know, alternate the words, I guess, if you want to. Faith mentioned these scriptures this morning. I'm going to read them to you again. Um, several of them. And, and Father, I'm asking that I'm asking that the lights would go on, the lights would go on, the uh-huh would go on, just like um did with that little Chinese priest up at Singing Waters. This is revival. By the way, just in case you know this, revival is not an event. Revival is a walk. That's right. It's a walk. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, he gives freedom. And all of us have that veil. Oh, we talked about unveiling in that song. And all of us have that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And I added my own little, and God didn't frown. Let me just, just to, you know, get in context of what we're saying here. He gives freedom, but all of us have had that veil removed. I'd like to say the veil that has kept us blinded to the fact that our heart is the dwelling place for the glory of God. Amen. So that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the, um, and, uh, the New Living Translation says, so that we can, oh, I love this, so that we can see and reflect. We can both see the glory of God and reflect the glory of God. And as the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. And you're saying, who, me? Or you're thinking of somebody you know real well that you know is a Christian, you're saying, well, not that one. Yeah. Being conformed to his image, become more and more like him. I remember Bishop Hammond from CI uh, saying what we think our highest calling is. You think it's to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, <coughs> whatever. You know, the highest calling is Romans 8.29. 
the highest calling in your life is to be conformed to his image. That's what your highest calling is. Excuse me. We change something. We reflect. We reflect. Say the word reflect. Uh, bounce off. <laughs> something bounces off of it. I'm going to open up something for you to think about, but you don't have to agree. Oh, this is being recorded, isn't it? Oh, dear. <laughs> think carefully before you send it out. <laughs> Let me just carry on another minute. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Oh, I already talked about your pot. Your precious pots. But this precious treasure, the glory of God, this light and power. Oh, this light and power. Right. That now shine in us is held in perishable containers. That is in our weak bodies. So that everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and isn't our own. Yeah. I know I'm repeating it. But the person who's joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives you, lives in you, and was given to you by God? Amen. So, from that, I kind of take the idea that we are designed to be glory carriers. Amen. Amen. I do know that there is a glory within and that's the presence of the Holy Spirit who came and took up residence within your spirit. You became united as one with him when you received Christ, when you became born of the Spirit. So there's the glory within. But then, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, wherever you want to call it, but, but when you're, you're, you're released or you're immersed in him and released with an empowering to do the works of the kingdom, there's a glory upon you as well. Jesus said, wait in here in Jerusalem until the Spirit has been the Spirit has come upon you. See, back in back in the upper room, they'd already received the Spirit. That's where they were born again. <clears throat> Do you realize this is another <clears throat> session altogether? Do you realize that those disciples were not born again when they traveled with him? They moved with oh, I already talked about this in our first session. That they moved as natural man. And God imparted to them, you know, to them what was needed. The Holy Spirit was um was upon them, but wasn't within them. So now, of course, the Holy Spirit was, is within them, and it was within them, and, and Jesus even says to him, now wait until you're endued with power from on high, until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Kind of like, kind of like two little different ways of looking at it, perhaps. Unveil while we're made. Well, I guess I throw this into your court to think about what these scriptures might mean. And also, I am absolutely open to correction from the Holy Spirit, number one. I don't need any theologians, because it depends on what theology you've got. So I don't think that would work. The light. Could it be a supernatural substance? Could it be a something? Light, I'm not... What's, I'm not talking about what's light, like day and night, or not a room lit when turning the switch on. I'm not talking about light like that. What does it mean? What does he mean when he says you are reflectors of his glory? Think about it. Do our eyes need to be open to see a larger magnitude of this? You talked about Matthew 5.14, where 
Jesus says, we know he's the light of the world, but in, in Matthew 14, do you know what he says? He says, you, <laughs> little old you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So quit, put, quit veiling it over, putting a bushel over it. Talks about you being light. Is he just talking about good deeds? How do you handle, I'm just asking you, okay, I'm not, I, this, is, this is not, I'm just asking you to think about it. Or to let the Holy Spirit open our eyes. Ephesians 5, 8 says, once you were dark, yeah. but now you're full of light from the Lord. Amen. As a matter of fact, the, is that the Passion Translation says, the very light of the Lord shining through you. Philippians 2, verses 15-16 says that um, we're designed to shine like stars in a dark world. Does this possibly mean more than doing good things? Just, just think about it. Romans 8. All creation is groaning to see the manifestation of the sons of God. One commentary writes, all creation is growing to see the manifestation of the light bearers. Yeah. Mm. I wonder what you think it means. I love what you used the words in this wording and I, was I circled it. You said light attracts. Yeah. <laughs> light attracts people to the kingdom. There's something emanating from someone that's attractive. Light also attracts bugs. <laughs> they need saving too. Huh? They need saving too. Yeah. Light attracts bugs. Yeah, sometimes they run back. Well, it can't be God because there's bugs. Oh, yes, it can be God. Yes, yes. Lots of bugs. I don't know if Anne can stand it if I tell the story again. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, something weird happened, and I'm sure it was like, I thought it was so funny. If you've heard this story before, she was with, uh, she was with me in Portland, Oregon, about two years ago, something like that. And um, we're, we're doing this conference in this. <laughs> and um, we, I, I think I've been up, she's been up. We've been individually praying, and then we got together and shared the word. And we've been really having a lovely time in the spirit together. And um, we're going to stop uh, on the way to the meeting and grab some breakfast. We haven't had time to eat. We didn't have it at the house. And um, so we took off, and I looked particularly good that morning. I want you to know. <laughs> I mean, I had my, my, I had my super bling goldy, bronze, and brown and black snappy jacket. And, and, you know, it was one of those days when I hadn't slept on my face, and so, you know, I, I didn't have big bags under my eyes. And, and, and things looked really good, because, I mean, after all, I'm a speaker, and I, I don't look good. I mean, you know, you know, you know when you look good, you know when you don't. I mean, I would look, I have to say, I really looked good that morning. But I also wanted to be, part of me wanted to be good for God, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just realized after how good I looked. <laughs> so anyway, we started to find, trying to find a place to get some breakfast on the way, and every place was packed. 
because there was a big um, either football game or hockey game or something going on in town. We couldn't find any place to eat. So we finally found this Red Robin or something, which is sort of like a, a McDonald's. So the, the gal who was our hostess and the driver, and Anne and I, we go in and we decide that we're gonna have to take the food with us and I'll sit in the back of the auditorium and, and eat my whatever I had, I forget, like my hamburger for breakfast or something. We, we got our food and we're coming to go out the door, we're coming to go out the door, I mean, this was really strange and as somebody was coming in and there was, um, there, there was um, the, a father, a guy looking about in his thirties, the father, the mother, the grandmother, and a couple of kids. And as we pass them in the line to go out, the guy turns around and he looked at me and said, my God, you're beautiful. Oh. I thought, oh. Not to me. Not to me. <laughs> it was to me. <laughs> and we, we giggled, we laughed, I thought, oh, oh, huh. So we go and we get to the door and Grandpa arrives. Oh, my time, my type said. Grandpa, Grandpa was good looking. Grandpa arrives, he opens the door for us to go out and as I go out, he kind of hauls back and says, Oh my God, you're beautiful. <laughs> oh, I thought there's more here than meets the eye. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And I've never forgotten, because it, it was so funny when we joke about what I was, what I was wearing. I really, I really wonder if there was a manifestation happening of the Lord's loveliness or the Lord's beauty. I mean, I mean uh, to finally have somebody come on to you like that after all these years with that year. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, <laughs> so we went and had a really good meeting, yeah, we did. But I've never forgotten that. I, and I remember how many of you from uh, days gone by remember a speaker in Word of Faith days. We learned so much. Remember Jerry Savelle? Remember little yeah. Jerry? And some of you remember little Jerry's story about he and his wife, Caroline, and, and another couple, wasn't Jesse Duplantis, it might have been, as they were in a hotel, they were ready to do some conferences or meetings or something. They had the evening off. And um, they spent late afternoon and over supper hour having a prayer meeting in their room. Um, and a real serious one, you know, they weren't just biding time. And then the two wives, an anointing hit them, it was called the shopping anointing, and they, <laughs> they had to go to the mall that was attached to the hotel. And they said they'd meet the guys, so, but they didn't say where. And it was, I think it was holiday time, I think it might have been Thanksgiving or Christmas time. And so the women went ahead to get something, and they didn't say where the meeting spot would be, but the guy said, oh, we'll find them somewhere or something, you know. And so, so Jerry, tell, and if you've heard this story, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't, don't want to overdo things. I don't want to exaggerate. Anyway, the, the mall was cram-packed. You couldn't hardly see up the, the, the corridors. It was just crammed with people. And, and thought, we're, you know, how are we ever going to find them? And all of a sudden, Jerry says, oh, I know where they are, because as he looked, Way, 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 way down the mall, he saw a woman walking and a light over her head that moved from one side back and forth, looking in the windows, went into the store, came back up, and looking in the shops, he said, there they are, and that's exactly where they were. Was there something different with her? Could tell story after story. Sometimes I think there's light, Sometimes I think there's simply an awesome manifestation of his presence. I love this. I just found this. I've got this little Bill Johnson devotional, which I really enjoy, on the Holy Spirit. And I just found this the other day. Whoops, where did you go? And I thought, oh, I need that. I need it for today. It's about Charles Finney. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Talk about the glory. 
Cal Sweeney is one of the great revivalists in American history. He writes of this unusual experience in his own autobiography. He entered a factory one morning after breakfast in a room filled with young ladies working on their weaving machines, looms, and spinning devices. Two in particular stood out to him. They looked a bit agitated, but seemed to cover it with laughter. He said nothing, but walked closer, noticing that one was trembling so badly she couldn't lend her thread. When he got to within about eight to 10 feet, they burst out in tears and slumped down. In moments, nearly the whole room full of workers was in tears. The owner, who was yet unconverted himself, recognized that this was a divine moment and ordered his factory to be shut down to give his workers a chance to come to Christ. A mini revival broke out, which lasted several days. Nearly the entire mill was converted during this time. It all started with a man upon whom the Spirit of God left to rest. And so without words, without words, a whole room full of workers came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the revival was born. Just carrying it, just his very presence. I have to tell you this, this, this story, and I know that some of you that have been in the Gifts of Spirit classes and that over the years have heard it, but it's as if it was yesterday. You have to forgive me if it sounds like I'm just repeating something old, but it's not old. We used to do this thing at, at Catch the Fire, at TACF, called Wake Up Call, Wednesday mornings. Sometimes 30, 60 women would, would come from all over the place for Wednesday mornings. It was sort of like a gathering for them where they could learn about the things of the Spirit, where they were getting things perhaps in their own, well not perhaps, in their, in their own fellowship. And this one gal came from Alliston. And if you know where Alliston is, it's just well, up near Barrie, a couple hours away. And um, they were coming out to church for a while, but then their kids were coming into their teen years, and this one particular church in Alliston had a really great teenage program, and their, their kids were friends, and they got into it, so they thought they would just become involved with that church. It just so happened to be a church that didn't appreciate women in any kind of ministry, though, except for the kitchen and the nursery. And um, so one day she's in prayer, or she, yeah, she's in her devotions, and the Lord says to her, um, her name was Janet, I'd love, gosh, I'd love to see her again, said that Janet, I've called you to be an evangelist. And she said, I've got a clue what you're talking about. All I can do is change dirty diapers and wash dishes. I mean, seriously, that was the extent of women's ministry in the church, serving, serving banquets and stuff. And, um, and she was of the mindset back then that ministry only occurred within, she didn't know about Seven Mountain stuff, <laughs> only ministry really occurred within the, the local church setting, okay? She said, how can I ever be an evangelist? I can't, I can't speak, I can't, I can't do anything. He said, so he gave her her instructions. How many of you heard this one with me before, besides my own old crowd in here? So what the Lord told her to do is that he wanted her, now she's close to Barry, she's what, about half an hour from Barry in Allison, maybe 20 minutes from Barry, that she was to go to every Tim Horton shop in, a, a, the radius was about a 60, I'm still, you can tell my age, I'm 60 mile radius, figure it out, 60 mile radius around Allison, and she was to, to just go to, not, not, not what to do, to go to every Tim Horton shop. She had a, she didn't have to work outside the home during the day. She had a vehicle so she could pick her days and she went two or three days a week. And she started, you know, near Cooksdale and then wherever there was a Tim's, I guess she looked them all and she, she, she took her Bible with her. She didn't eat donuts and drink coffee every place she went. But, but she went, she would go in, she would be there for a few minutes and then get the urge to move on. Sometimes she would sit down 
and, and have a water, coffee, or something, or, or, or a lunch, or something like this. And then she'd live. And so she, it took her, um, third time around, uh, I think it took her a week or maybe more than a week to do the circle route. Going to every Tim Horton shop. Cheer of obedience. I mean, what are you doing? Duh. Zachariah was in play. I'm just going to Tim Horton shop. Second time around, she did it twice. Third time. She's about halfway around, and she's in this one Tim's, and she, and she would go, she would, and, and she would have her Bible, so sometimes she'd sit, uh, she, she did eat a lot, she got really fat and roly-poly on the Word, because she really, yeah, she got into the Word a lot. So anyway, beginning the third time around, she's sitting in a, in a corner at a table at a Tim's, and uh, this woman came up to her, and she said, oh, you're here again, I, I, I'm really glad to see you, I need to talk to you. She said, you were sitting here, Two weeks ago, weren't you? Right, right, right there. And you were reading something. You're reading something again. You know, you know. Hmm, there's an open door, right? She said, "I need to talk to you. I need, I need to tell you, tell you something. Can I talk with you?" And Janice said, "Yeah, sure. Sit down." She said, "Well, um, uh, I have to tell you. Two weeks ago, I came in. I bought my coffee. It was going to be my last coffee because I you know, fully intended. I had a letter in my purse from my husband. I fully intended of going out from there and committing suicide." And I turned around from paying my bill and I looked over to where you were sitting and you looked up at me and you smiled. And I went out and tore up the letter. Can you help me understand what happened? Talk about fruit just falling right into your hand. Now come on, guys. You light bearers, you glory carriers, you walk into a room and someone is healed. You're in your grocery store line and some poor soul ahead of you. I mean, they're just impacted by the very presence of, of Christ that you're carrying with you. And, you. and you think you're just lumping along having a bad hair day? You'll manifest themselves <laughs> through your bad hair days because see, it's got nothing to do with your hair. Oh, oh, we just want you to see that so much. You looked up at me and you smiled and you saved my life. Call you lifesavers. New Testament glory. Jesus, when he was transformed in the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transformed from the inside out until the power of that which was in him as he became transfigured even changed his clothing. Oh my goodness. Garments were even affected. Paul's handkerchiefs were anointed. Peter's shadow. You know the story about Supraiso, that's the, um, I, I don't get the full name correct, but he's Heidi Baker's um, uh, lead, pa he's the pastor of the pastors for all of her many, 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 many little fellowships, 1,100, 1,200, 1,300 fellowships that she has, churches, five or six people <laughs> in, uh, in Mozambique. And in one of the villages, small little poor villages, just one room that people live in, families live in. And uh, in this one little household, um, their little girl died. Uh, I don't know if she was a teenager yet, somewhere between 11 and 13, I think she was. And um, so he went, and, and she, she'd been dead now for a bit. And he went to the home, he went to the parents to, to console them and to talk with them. And, and, and so he's sitting down, now, and, and she's, 
she's still laid out on, on their table, what they had for a table. She's just laying there, and the mom and dad are there. He's talking to them. He, he's just sitting there talking to his parents, you know, and loving them and, and helping them. He's just got her hand, his hand just happens to be on her arm, but he's talking to the parents. And all of a sudden, she stops to cough and splutter and open her eyes and sit up. He didn't go with that intention in mind. He went to bless the parents. But you see, he was highly contagious. He was highly infectious. And I say it's time we started to realize that awesomeness that we carry that will be manifested at the darndest times. 2 Corinthians 3, as we behold him, we will be transformed in the presence of his glory. I can do anything and everything he requires of me. Matthew 6.13 For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. So the kingdom of God is within you and without. There's a power within you to do the supernatural works of the kingdom that's not merely you. And you are carriers of his glory. So I say, let's awake. Lord, would you wake the kingdom seed in us? Where did Faithy go? Did she go outside again? I would really love just to do that song. And then we want to pray with you. I believe that we're a people who simply can't live as Christian believers without being aware of his glory. Absolutely. Why should we be? And, and we, we, we're called to minister. You're all called to be ministers. This thing does not make you a minister. A minister is simply, I'm going to be a minister when I grow up. Bless your heart. A minister means one who serves. A minister is a servant. Okay. And we want to minister out of the presence and, and out of the glory. Just a couple of final little vignettes I've got here from a book I read on the glory of a heart fully alive. We're not what we seem. We're not what we seem. He wants to unveil your glory. But we've all veiled our glory or someone has veiled it for us. In other words, 2 Corinthians 4 says the God of this world has blinded our eyes. We're in the process of being unveiled. We were created to reflect God's glory, born to bear his image. It was lost in the fall, and he ransomed us to reflect that glory again. It's being restored. So he wants you to, he wants to, uh, you to choose to live from your new heart, not the old one. I love Philippians 2, 5, 15, 16. He says, one translation says, you were born to shimmer. You're born to shine. Let your light shine before men. Mm. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Lord, would you awaken? Would you stand? Can we do that song again? You've got the words. You've got your words. Sure. Oh, for goodness sakes. I just call, I speak to your spirits. I speak to your spirit, man. I wish I just could call you boom, 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 boom. By name. I speak to your spirit, man. And I say, wake up. Shake off. Get so immersed in the word and in his presence that you'll cooperate with him as he's transforming your 